welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. In 2015, President Obama announced a new clean power plan and talked about the importance of taking care of our planet. We're the first generation to feel the impact of climate change. We're the last generation that can do something about it. But the Trump administration has been working to dismantle Obama's environmental legacy and his climate legacy. And this week, the administration proposed another regulatory rollback to relax rules that were meant to block methane leaks from oil and gas wells. Joining me is Richard Revez, a professor at NYU Law School and director of the Institute for Policy Integrity. Ricky, tell us more about this proposal from the EPA and the rules it would roll back. Oh, good morning. It's wonderful to be um, on the program. Uh, this proposal would make several important changes on how oil and gas operators monitor, detect, and repair methane leaks. Uh, primarily, it would make the monitoring requirements less frequent so that leaking installations will be discovered for a longer time, and as a result, the leak levels uh, would increase. And the administration acknowledges that and acknowledges that its proposal would have a bad impact on both the environment uh, in terms of its impact on climate change, but also uh, on public health, but nonetheless is proposing to do this. Well, does the administration in the proposal explain why, despite that, it's going forward? Um, Well, the administration's um, argument is that this is going to save money uh, to the operators of these installations. And and as far as I can see, that's the main and only plausible justification. And the administration uh, acknowledges uh, the negatives on the other side, but says that um, they're outweighed by the benefits to these operators. The EPA did say the changes would save the oil and gas industry about $484 million in regulatory costs from 2019 to 2025. Let's talk about Obama's three-part strategy for combating climate change. This summer, there were two proposals from the EPA to roll back climate change regulations for carbon dioxide pollution from vehicles and coal-fired power plants. Added with this regulation rollback, would that completely undo Obama's three-part effort? Uh, these were the three most important parts of President Obama's Clean Power, uh, Clean Action Initiative. Um, and, um, and this administration is committed to undoing them. Now, we should remember that these are three proposals. Um, there's, there are comment periods. Um, I assume the administration will finalize these in... Um, in a similar form to what we see now, but then there's going to be a huge fight in the courts. Um, Of these these three proposals are uh, on weak legal grounds, they're poorly justified, and there's going to be a a serious fight in the federal courts. Well, this is actually the EPA's second attempt to suspend the Obama-era methane requirements, and the first did face problems in court last year. Tell us what happened there. Well, um, The first round of this administration's actions has been to suspend, stay, or delay um, the effective date or the compliance dates for Obama um, 
administration regulations. And those efforts have almost all failed. Um, the administration has lost a significant number of important cases in the federal courts that have said that the way they went around doing those suspensions was illegal. Um, and that was true for the methane rule as well. Now, uh, the administration is undertaking a second phase, which is to attempt to actually repeal the rules and not just suspend or delay them. And this process is now getting started with the proposals to um, replace the Clean Power Plan uh, and for weaken the vehicle standards and now for, weaken the methane, for weakening the methane rules. So has the administration gone, gone, done it in a certain way so that it is it will pass the court standards? I don't think so. Uh, for example, um, in connection with its uh, effort to um, uh, replace a clean power plan, the administration has acknowledged that the net impact on the American people will be negative, that the foregone benefits uh, to the American people are actually larger than the cost savings. And from my perspective, that puts creates a huge uphill battle for the administration. Uh, it looks like what it did is irrational, and it pretty much has admitted that in its proposal. So, the so I anticipate a very strong challenges and a significant probability that the challengers will prevail uh, on the challenges to these three rules. Now, the EPA proposal is opening the door to allowing state mandates to take the place of federal methane requirements. What's the problem there? Is there any problem with that? Well, um, one important problem is that many states might not do anything um, and or might do something that's extremely weak. And this is a national problem and a global problem, and the federal government has a responsibility to address it and has an obligation under the Clean Air Act. The reason we have a Clean Air Act is because Congress decided um, in, in the 60s and 1970, that there was an important role for the federal government um, in uh, air pollution, because air pollution crosses state lines, and now we know that it crosses international lines, we know about global problems, so the federal government is an important part of the solution to this problem. States are also, um, also have a role, and they can also do things, but state action in this area is not a substitute for federal action under the statute and under any sort of plausible understanding of environmental policy. Ricky, the agency has signaled that it's working on a separate rulemaking effort to address whether direct rules on methane are even necessary. Where might that end up? Well, it might end up in, a, in, a, in an outright repeal of the methane rules, leaving uh, this sector of the economy uh, unregulated with respect to the greenhouse gas emissions. And the Trump administration has been trying to roll back regulations in all different areas. Has it been more successful as far as the EPA and the Interior Department? No. Um, the first round of the Trump administration's efforts have been on these delays, stays, and suspensions, and they've lost significant cases across a, um, a whole slew of areas, uh, in including yesterday in a borrower uh, rule that protected um, uh, college student borrowers from unscrupulous for-profit lenders, uh, institutions. Uh, so they've lost uh, sort of across the board, not just in the energy, natural resources, and environmental spaces, on their efforts to suspend, delay, um, 
um, the, the, the Obama administration's regulations. Okay, thank you so much for being with us. That's Richard Revez. He's a professor at NYU Law School and director of the Institute for Policy Integrity. Speaking at a July hearing, Minnesota Democratic Congressman Keith Ellison asked Fed Chair Jerome Powell about the economic effects of tech giants like Google and Amazon. We have highly concentrated markets to these days. Can you talk about market concentration in this particular economy? It seems like every industry you look at has highly concentrated markets. Look, for example, you know, Amazon, how they're dominating you know, uh, online retail. And today, FTC Chairman Joe Simons began the first in a series of hearings about this very issue. Joining me from the hearings is David McLaughlin, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Dave, so what happened today so far? Uh, well, uh, today the, the hearings opened with remarks by uh, the Chairman Joe, Joe Simons. Um, and then they had a panel uh, um, uh, including that included some economists and lawyers um, to discuss kind of big picture issues in competition policy, and uh, later today they're going to be hearing from from more economists, kind of digging into the data behind some of the concerns that were raised in the uh, in the clip you just played. Why is market concentration getting so much attention now? Well, I think partly it it is due to. Um, Big tech companies uh, like Google and Facebook, um, and and the their both their size and, and their dominance and the, their importance in in our lives. Uh, and as we've seen um, over the last couple of years, there are concerns that go beyond competition. Um, so that's one thing. And uh, secondly, there are a lot of economists right now who, in the past couple of years, have been digging into this issue. Um, sort of economists who are outside the antitrust um, world who are sort of questioning um, <clears throat> how antitrust has been applied in the past and, and pointing to some data that, that seems to show, uh, that does show a rising concentration across many industries, not just tech, and uh, the possibility that that means that many markets exhibit um, or companies in many markets have market power, which which is something that antitrust enforcers uh, should be should be worried about. And then they're going further, which is kind of interesting to to say that some of these markets that are concentrated or the problem of rising uh, concentration is actually tied to sort of broader macroeconomic problems like. Uh, weak productivity growth, uh, inequality in the economy, um, low investment by companies. So there's a lot to dig into, and and it's got um, many economists very interested. So there are these calls for more aggressive enforcement and policing of mergers, but a judge just stopped the Justice Department's attempt to derail the AT&T-Time Warner merger. So what is realistically within the FTC's power in this area? Uh, well, you're right. So that case highlighted uh, the, the challenges that enforcers here in the U.S. face, and that they, if they want to get more aggressive, um, 
on on mergers or going after big companies, they have to convince uh, courts, which uh, can be um, at times uh, difficult to, to convince, uh, as we saw in the AT&T case. Um, so, uh, you know, that's different than in Europe. So I think for enforcers here, uh, part of it is, um, you know, some people would say, well, they just need to be willing to, to lose cases and try to move the courts in a certain um, direction. Um, and, you know, in the case of the in the case of AT&T, uh, the issue there was that that was the first vertical case uh, that was brought in something like 40 years. So that might just be an indication that the you know, courts hadn't seen one of those cases in a very long time. There's also the point that being big or even being a monopoly is not by itself illegal. So what other kinds right. of facts would the government have to find to go after some of these companies who have such high market concentration? Right. So that's you know, one of the, the, the key uh, things to keep in mind is that you know, we don't want to uh, punish companies that are big because they are because they're successful in selling products and services that, that people want. Um, so what the government would need to, to find if, if um, um, in any uh, monopoly case is conduct by, by, by a company that has a you know, dominant market share, that's a monopoly, um, that amounts to basically thwarting uh, competition at its market. So, you know, the big famous case from almost, you know, 20 years ago now, was Microsoft, and the, the and the issue there was, you know, that was a, a company at at the time dominated the operating system for computers. Um, it was using that that dominance to harm um, competition or emerging competition from uh, Netscape uh, Navigator, and did lots of things to do that. And so that that misconduct, those steps that it took at the time. Uh, the government said were illegal, and a, and a court uh, agreed. Just about a minute here. What do you see the final, the final event in the, in all this being that they're trying to break up some of the big companies like Amazon? Is that the goal? Yeah, it's not the stated goal. I mean, I, you know, the FTC is, is basically the chairman. Joe Simons is just saying, you know, this this is an issue that this is these these concerns are legitimate to be you know should be debated and discussed, and we should look into them deeper. Um, where it okay. goes is unclear. All right, thanks um, so much, David. We'll catch up okay. with you again. That's David McLaughlin, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.